Welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Jordan Dollar coltman I'm joined by Tyler Walzak. It is 2024, and we are on the eve of a brand new Formula One season. Tyler, it has been a while, but we're back. How are you feeling? This is like season three for us now, I think. Not, I know. Three, I actually... Three, three? So last year, this is our third season. Yeah. Last year was the first season when it was just you and I. That's right. Um, and we going into that, out. I was like, oh, I got to I gotta figure like all this out again and like get back into it. But now I'm like, oh, we know exactly what we're doing. I feel like we have only had like two or three months off. Um, and I don't know, nine hours, nine hours until Grand Prix weekend starts. Well, by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be even closer. Frankly, they, the first practice might already be underway by the time. It depends how fast the editors can get this out there. But yeah. yes, we are basically in a race weekend already, which is awesome. We're in the season already. Um, we discussed doing this earlier, but it kind of felt like if we don't do it like right before the season starts, we're just going to miss stuff anyway. So yeah. I always feel like a season preview should come like right on like the eve of you know the season. Same with any other sport. Especially because people are people are probably very excited about this weekend. So they're going to try to take in as much Absolutely. stuff as possible. So let's hope that we're the last thing they listen to before the race starts. Absolutely. And we will talk, obviously, uh, later on about this weekend, specifically as we do every episode. But first, uh, this is our season preview. I think it's important to welcome new listeners. So well, welcome. If you haven't yet checked this podcast out, we appreciate your, uh, you, you, you putting us in your ears for the first time. Um, we are two guys here on the West Coast of Canada who enjoy Formula One. We are by no means experts. We are by no means uh, like like seasoned pros when it comes to this. We are both admittedly newer fans, although as we admitted three years in, I think by this point yeah. we can consider ourselves, you know, seasoned. I, say, I think you can drop some of those. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're we're experts, but I think we can drop the newer viewership aspect of it. All right. And I'm looking forward to when we are experts because. I was going through like the off season stuff and, and what was coming up. And I'm like, Oh, I already knew that. 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 So it's like, totally. Oh, I'm actually might know a little bit more about what we're talking about this year. Our goal is this. Our goal is to simply be your guide through the season, give you an opportunity to, to kind of recap each race. If you're again, if you've watched formula one for 20 years or you're also new to it, this show is all about just, enjoying the formula one season going through each re race weekend and you know a little bit of fun detail we try to throw some fun things in there we hand out some silly awards each week and then we'll obviously preview what's coming up for you so just kind of keep you in the, in the loop um as we go so lots of lots of things to get to i can't preamble too much more than this because we got a whole schwack of stuff to talk about before the season gets started um and we're going to launch right into some of the biggest off-season news stories including one that literally just broke today so I'll, I'll i'll tee it up tyler and then i'm sure you've got some hot takes on how this all played out but the biggest story uh for the last two weeks after coming you know into and then through testing um which took place last week uh was this sort of shadow hanging over the Red Bull garage and this investigation that was going on with Christian Horner, who is the team principal there and sort of the founding team principal of what has been a very successful team uh, in the past couple of years. But he is very much a um, you love him or hate him kind of guy in the in the Formula One world. And he was under investigation for some inappropriate behavior. Uh, there's been some mixed reporting, but from the sounds of it, uh, there was some inappropriate texting going on between him and a junior staffer, female junior staffer, exact details of which, again, are somewhat hearsay because it hasn't, there's been no public sort of uh, 
airing out, let's say, of the facts. But from what we understand, there, it was serious enough that there was both an internal and then an external investigation into his conduct. But today we found out he's been cleared of all wrongdoing and will continue uh, to resume his role as the team principal. I mean, we both are admittedly not Red Bull's biggest fans. That's maybe understating it. But where were you yep. on this whole story the last week? Um, I will say this because this is something that comes up. I feel like every month with somebody new who's in a position of power, like we just saw it with like wrestling, like the WWE just saw this happen yep. to, to two or three very formidable people. Um, I think the way Red Bull handled this is exactly the perfect way that everyone should handle it, where they didn't fire him right away. They cooperated with everybody. They spoke on it in the news and the media. And they told people, this is what the situation we're dealing with. Nobody knows what actually is factual, what's not factual. So he's not getting fired for something that may or may not have happened. Um, which we saw for, for an example, the Buffalo bills kicker last year, uh, Arasia got fired when a, something, a report like this came out. And then it turned out that it was all fictional and he, he got like, kicked off his team and it completely sidetracked his career for, 22 months, 24 months. So um, it was it was good to see the way Red Bull handled it. I also will say, if you're Christian Horner or any person in a position of power, you need to be extra, extra careful about who's in your circle, who you're talking to, um, because like these things are like, they do happen to people. And also some people try to take advantage of the situations they're in to get more money, to get in the spotlight, whatever the reason is. You just yeah, everybody has to be a little bit more careful about who they're talking to and who they trust and who they don't trust, especially if you're somebody in a position of power. Yeah, there's an there's an extra uh, responsibility, and I mean that's why there you know there's the difference between sexual harassment and statutory rape when we have people in positions of power. There's a difference between you know any 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 position any any leader in any kind of organization, especially an organization with this many people, as you say, not only for their own well being needs to be careful, but like this is. The world we live in today, you have to be better than this. There was a time and a place where this was kind of commonplace. And luckily, I think, thankfully, we are moving past that. And there has been sort of some reckonings and some very toxic work environments. Yeah. But as a result, you know, as you say, there is a much greater scrutiny. I, I would also say I'm grateful that there has been these investigations. I think it would it would be Hest Red Bull to take the last step being make your findings public, make sure that this is all kind of cleared yeah. and aired out because the other truth is if the, tr if, if the, if what they're saying is true and we have no reason to believe that it's not, um, then Christian Horner also deserves to be vindicated and he deserves the information to be made public to protect himself. But equally mm -hmm. there's a victim here or someone in that position who also their privacy has been protected so far and we don't want that to be spoiled. So it's a tricky situation all around. The point is it's over now to some level of, satisfaction and Christian Horner will return um, and certainly return to the top team in, in the paddock. I mean, they are repeat champions. They have a three-time world champion. Well, two and a half uh, time world champion on their uh, roster. They look like they got lots going on and we will talk more about Red Bull in a second. The first other episode, huge news, the first episode, we couldn't even, we couldn't even get through. Red come Bulls on. <laughs> if there's Red Bull listeners who are like, actually listen to this. Show, first off, if you're a new listener and you are a Red Bull fan, you may not enjoy this podcast. You might Let's not, just put it you that might not like this one. But if you are a Red Bull fan who stuck it out and listened here, 
you are a better man than me or woman, but you are a better person than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would be long gone. Uh, cause no, Tyler and I have no love lost for Red Bull. Let's talk about somebody uh, that I do like quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. That was the biggest news of the off season. And it was sort of shocking. the last, the last news of the off season. We thought silly season was over. So we, and I like where we're going with this in terms of our, our breakdown right now, because going into the Lewis Hamilton stuff, because, um, this was shocking. It was a wake up early in the morning, like 6 a.m. going to work. Like, oh my God, that is yeah. not, that is, that is not just another race car driver going to another race car team. That is, that is the best of all time going to probably the most recognizable name in motorsports. Like, oh yeah. So very cool. Totally. But that sets off a series of events that, is going to last year at silly season, which if you are, again, if you're new to F1 or, or you're just whatever, well, break it down. Silly season is halfway through the year when guys are trying to find out where they're going to be racing next year. If they're going to be brought back to their team or if their team's going to move on, or if they're going to move on from their team to go to a better place. Um, last year we had zero moves. Everybody who was in the seat last year is returning to that same seat this year. Never happened before. That was the first time last year. And it was boring. We are in the exact opposite position yeah. going to this year's silly season. And I will talk about this a lot throughout the first probably five races, but that might be more exciting than what this season is going to be on the track. Could be very well. Could be. So I like to sometimes, as you know, like pull out the old uh, sports media tropes and kind of invert them. So I want to play a game that, you know, everyone and every pundit you've ever heard is doing right now. They love to do this, especially when it's a sport people aren't familiar with. Tyler, can you put this kind of move in the context for North American sports fans? Is this LeBron to Miami? Is this Gretzky to LA? Is it's, this, what is this? What is the level? It's bigger. There's, this is the biggest because Gretzky to LA, to, to LA was huge, massive. But this would be Gretzky going to Toronto. Right. Or Gretzky going right. to eventually he went to New York, but like this, this is, it's not even, it's LeBron going to LA, but prime LeBron, not the LeBron we have now. Right. With to LA. Kobe while yeah, it was still in there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. This is, this is Michael Jordan going to the Lakers. Like this is, yeah. I, I, it's Tom Brady going to the the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 not just the athlete and the scale and success level we're talking about here. It is yeah. that he is going from the most successful team of the modern era to the most famous team of all time. Yeah. Right. There is exactly. one team in the history of Formula One who has been here from day one. It's Ferrari. And the 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 jokes and all of the like cliches around Ferrari are all the idea you you know you put a piece of paper in front of a child you say draw me a race car it's probably red ferrari yeah. is so important to the history of this sport you know it's it's it, it's everything so you're right i think scale wise there is no comparison i think there, that, that i appreciate that i mean there might even be in like in football soccer. but that's I what i was gonna say, say like is it messy one, but he's but not who, going to who did he go who would he go to have to go right. to he would like, have had to go you know okay so here's like real the madrid only, but that's what i was gonna so say many, the only like, equivalent was beckham to madrid in the moment it happened but even then beckham was like Still, like he was the most famous guy in the world, but he, it was different. He's not you know the I mean? best this of all time. Different. This is the best of all, arguably the best of all time. Yeah. And looking for that final thing. So he's still got something to prove here, which is the other piece of this. He's, he now believes his best chance at an eighth title, if it doesn't come this year, and it probably won't, belongs with Ferrari, which is insane. 
And then on top of that, we're talking like I like the Dallas Cowboys analogy only because the hope that a Lewis Hamilton move to Ferrari gives the Tifosi and the Ferrari fans is the same kind of thing. They are a long suffering group now with a great yeah. lineage. You know, it's not, it's not the Detroit lions who haven't been there. It's, it's a team that used to be good. That has suffered. It's the Maple Leafs. It is the yeah. Maple Leafs. You know what I mean? It's like, this is a, the biggest fan base in motorsports who has not won in a very long time. And they're looking for their savior. And, and you Hamilton. can't even, like, some people make the argument, but this isn't Lewis Hamilton in his prime. But I don't know if that is true. I think the car just fell off and no one could compete with I Red agree. Bull. So he made a move to be like, hey, I still have five years of championship racing left in me. I got to do it somewhere else. Ferrari yeah. seems like they're the closest to, to Red Bull at this moment. We've seen that with the race times and the track times over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it is one of those things where, like it was just wow. It was wow. hundred percent. So you already kind of teed off what I wanted to just also spend a moment talking about, which is the idea that this is obviously the first sort of rock thrown in a pond that the ripples now start to reverberate out from. And we're dealing yeah. with now we know Carlos Sainz is not driving for Ferrari next year. We know there's an mistake. open seat at Mercedes next year. Mistake at Ferrari. That's a mistake so, at Ferrari. Would I, you have replaced Charles? Instead? I don't know who. I would have waited until the end. You're of the telling year. me though that Lewis isn't the no, but that's the thing they couldn't have waited because you, to get Lewis Hamilton, you had to make that deal before anything else happened. I think that he had to make this decision when he made it. But you're here's the weird thing, and this who, is Hamilton or or the well Ferrari, Ferrari and Hamilton. They knew or that ha- if they could make. Why couldn't Ferrari just be like Hamilton's with us next year? The other two guys are racing for those spots. Well, I mean, Charles has been there longer and has a contract longer, but. And, and he's also finished behind Carlos yeah. Sainz. Two I don't know. It's a years. good, yeah. All right. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And we can talk about that. But the other piece is like this, as you say, it has ripples. Everybody's going to be a part of this, but also there's now this like weird, awkward thing at these two teams, both of whom are looking to like take a stab at Red Bull and you've got Ferrari and, and Mercedes. I mean, the one, the, the two and three finishing teams last year who have this, I mean, I don't know. This is cliche too, but it's like the sort of Damocles. It's like this thing's hanging over their heads. They're ready for like, these two guys have all this awkward tension. We know that like from this point forward in briefings, in meetings, things are going to be withheld from Lewis. Things are going to be withheld from Carlos. It's going to affect how the team chemistry and dynamics work. When we have a battle between two cars on track, we know which driver is going to be given preferential treatment. What happens if like, George has a, a rough start to the season. Lewis is leading the, the, the way for Mercedes in, in terms of, you know, points. And then all of a sudden they have to start trying to reel him in. Like it, it could be very uncomfortable very quickly. Well, it's, it's, I was reading something uh, Brundle was talking about a couple of weeks ago is just that you, you get hidden from things. So you walk around your own paddock and people put their heads down and walk away because it's embarrassing to kind of talk to you because everyone knows you're leaving and when the upgrades come, they're going to be like, all right, um, George, we're going to sit you down. This is exactly what the upgrades are doing. This is where you're going to find time. This is where you're going to lose time. This is why we put this in here for future whatever. And then they're going to Lewis, uh, your car's going to be a little different this weekend. Those yeah, are the exactly. information gaps. 100%. Because they can't give you any of that stuff. Why and where. Exactly. And it's happening at Red Bull. It's happening at Mercedes. And it's happening in Ferrari. There is why do you think open. it's happening in Red Bull? Uh, well, Perez is not going to be there next year. You don't think so? I, well, here's the thing is he could be, if I was Red Bull, I, I absolutely would move on from him. 
even if he does really well this year, there's a thing that happens in sports a lot. When your contract is up and you're in the last year of your contract, you you play above your average. You you play better. You seem to be more into what's happening that year because you're fighting for another contract. You're fighting for another seat. That is the only reason Perez maybe will – he had the worst racing year that you could have had last year in a Red Bull. So it's, he's going to be better this year. I don't think you could have been worse than you were last year. But you still have to move on from him because it's there's no future with Perez, I don't think. Right. Right. Um, so I think there's I think there's a seat at each place where like stuff's going to be hidden. And also Leclerc is going into into this season, the last season where he's one A. Yeah. Which has to be frustrating on his part as well. For sure, absolutely. Um, okay, let's just play one more game out here while we're still on this topic. I want you to tell me your 2025 way too early to call driver lineup. So who's driving for? Red Bull. Let's start there. We know Max is there. Who's Vers- next to him? Verstappen, and it'll be either Albon or Carlos Sainz. Not Daniel Ricciardo. Daniel Ricciardo would be another option. So if Ricciardo does well, he probably gets the seat. Okay. If Ricciardo does not do well, it goes to Albon. But Albon might get poached by Mercedes. Somebody else. Somebody else. Yep. Yeah. But I feel like Albon, for some reason, I think that he's going to be in that Red Bull seat. I would prefer to see Sainz in it. And I and if Sainz does well, if he beats Ferrari, if he beats Leclerc again. He'll get that Red Bull spot. Okay, so then let's go down the grid. Who's driving next to George Russell replacing Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes? So this is the best part about this. Fernando Alonso in a Mercedes seat. And we are going to get 2025. Um, so I, I feel like they want to bring up this kid. I forget his name. Who's just starting his F2 career that everyone's got hype up. It's kind of like more hype than Piastri had. Forget his name. Antonelli, Antonelli, something like that. Um, but it's going to be too early to bring him up and give him a spot beside Mercedes. Alonso's done at Aston Martin after this year. Like his contract's up. So I think it would be amazing to have Hamilton in a Ferrari, Verstappen in a Red Bull, and Alonso in a Mercedes. And the three of them just going at it in 2025 would probably be the greatest thing we could ever ask for. That would be pretty wild. Now, uh, that leads us then to... Uh, the if well now we, now you've opened more seats up. I know. Well, here's to, what's here's what I. So think we know happens. where Ferrari's lineup is. That's the other one that's set. So Hamilton and Leclerc, then Mercedes. Yep. In my head, I got Russell and Alonso, Red Bull, Verstappen, signs. So then Aston Verstappen, Martin, Verstappen, Albon, Aston Martin, Alonso leaves, and Stroll is not cutting it this year. I think Alonso leaves, therefore, because he won't believe in Stroll anymore. Therefore, Lawrence sells. Sells Aston Martin to maybe the American team. And Lance Stroll lose his spot. And we'll get two new drivers. And I have no idea who they're going to be for Aston Martin. Maybe Signs. Maybe Signs has to go to Aston Martin. Way too early to make prediction to 2025. Can we both agree right now we are prepared for the silliest season of all? Like this is going to be an absolute carnage when it comes to driver lineup. It's what I'm most looking forward to this year. Nice. There you go. Not even on track. I love it. All right, let's keep moving. We got lots to talk about testing. Um, so but testing real quick, oh, sorry, sorry real quick. quick. Go, go. Just to finish this off, the only other seats that are have two people to contracts are McLaren, Norris, and Piastri. Yep. Alpine can be open. Gasly has yep. a player option. He can come back, but it could be two seats open. Williams could be two seats open. Haas is yep. two seats open. Stake F1, two seats open. Visa Cash App RB, two we'll spots open. Like this is going to get wild. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Okay. Moving on testing. Uh, just a really quick update on what we do know. What we don't know. What we do know is that everything we saw with our eyes has to be taken with a grain of salt. Testing is always, always. Uh, like smoke and mirrors. Some things, you know, are pretty clear. Red Bull's still fast. They didn't just drop off the map. How fast? We don't know. Were they sandbagging? We don't know. They certainly didn't look like they were sandbagging day one. They certainly looked like they really wanted to find out what that car could do. And they were putting some serious numbers up, beating people by over a second. What we saw in the next two days when we were on track, considering the fact that interestingly, after like 15 years of not having a single problem with drain covers in the last six months, we've had three. The top teams are still the top teams. There has yet to be a team from the mid or bottom pack that's all of a sudden come flying up to take over one of those spots, the way Aston Martin did, for example, last year, right? Like Aston Martin showed up last year testing and it was like, oh shit, where'd these guys come from? Right now, it feels like we're kind of it. But the biggest thing for me is it looks like, and again, way too early to know, we're going to know this weekend better. It looks like the mid table is tightening. And that is exciting because we're in year three of these new regulations. This is always about that period where like the, the, you kind of get a sense of where these engineers and guys are going to get these cars to, and you kind of figure out where it is. And now teams start being able to take bigger steps. We obviously saw the beginnings of that later in the year. McLaren made a huge improvement midway through last year. Alpine made a little bit of a, you know, step forward and step back and they were trying to figure it out, but it feels like we're at that mid table. So when you look at it, what are your, what were your impressions looking at timing charts, whatever? I mean, again, none of us are experts, aerodynamicists or anything like that, which is those were the real nerds go to town on, on testing and Hey, nothing against the nerds this is a sport full of nerds who make a lot of really impressive cars but that's just not our forte yeah um i think i think there's like the midfield is right winners but ferrari i think is going to give a true test to red bull this year um and then i also think that mercedes is going to be right up there and i think the surprise team that is going to finish second or third will be mclaren and I only say surprise because you always expect the top three to be the top three. But um, if you look at the timing charts and the finishes of McLaren in the last third of last year, then that's where you should be looking at where they're going to start this year. And if they have a hot start, like Piastri's in his second full season, he's raced every track now, so he'll know what's going on. But once you once you get that over with and the kind of like shake off the sillies, so to say, then I think McLaren is going to be very, very good this year. And, and I think that so far their times have shown without giving away too much that they're, they're going to be fast. I also think that with the second Red Bull sister team now kind of being called Red Bull, I think that they're going to make a significant jump up in the standings this year as well, which is kind of scary for all those midfield teams not having to deal with them really last year. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to give you our proper season preview. We'll run you through the schedule. We'll run you through the teams, and then we'll make some predictions. Now entering its third season, Ellipses Thinking is a podcast committed to making the creative process more accessible through insightful conversations with people living life through a creative lens. Whether you identify professionally as creative, know yourself to be creative and for whom creative expression feeds, fuels, and fires you up, or you yearn to rediscover the joyful freedom of a child at play, we hope you will bring your curious spirit and join us to listen in this season. You can subscribe to Ellipses Thinking wherever your listening curiosity is met.
All right. Uh, we are going to tee off our preview here. Let's start with the schedule. Anything stick out to you, Tyler, looking at the schedule? Only that they brought Japan to the beginning of the year instead of the end of the year. So right. yeah, that that's more or less rain. Yeah, exactly. Well, and we're also going to China, uh, yeah. which is an interesting one. This is the first time the Formula One will be back in China since pre-COVID. Uh, so I think that's an interesting one. And as we talked last year, there was this sort of push to try to make the the schedule more kind of like continental friendly. Like we were going to be over here in Asia for a while and then we're going to go over here. But that seems to have all gone out the window. We're bouncing back and forth across the Pacific and Atlantic and all over the place. You know, we've got the we've got we start off, obviously, in Bahrain in the desert. We go to Saudi Arabia, then Australia, at least the Australia, Japan, China ones. To kind Those of ones there. Sense. That yeah. one makes sense. You're all kind of on that one. Um, which then is it goes nice. crazy again. Then United it goes States, crazy. Italy, yeah. Monaco, Canada. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, three races again in the United States. Uh, Vegas 2.0. See how that improves. That'll be an interesting one this year, actually, because we didn't expect a good race last year. We got one. And like they can only improve, right? It can't get worse. Can it get well, worse? It can only improve. Well, we could have two drain covers come up. That's true. Have you we'll watched... Start- um, uh, this is off topic for a second. Have you watched Drive to Survive yet? Do you intend to watch Drive to Survive? I will not be watching. I will not be so watching. You're not watching it anymore. Okay. No. I don't. That's just fake. You can tell right away what what's fake. Fair. I do think it's interesting because that, like, I have not watched the whole season. Admittedly, I think I'm four or five in. I will say that like, there's some interesting stuff in it. I think it's actually so far it's better than last season, which I think is an improvement. What I think mm-hmm. they've done better is that they're focusing each episode much more, like intentionally on like one or two subjects so like there's an entire episode you will enjoy of gasly and ocon and the whole story around alpine but it's that's an entire episode and so it comes out of it doesn't matter where they are on the schedule it's like the two or three races where it mattered you know remember the two time when they came together and like that's where and then of course the sacking of of off otmeyer and like that's the storyline which i do think they did a good job of covering yeah i mean that's that's kind of what it used to like the og um, drive to survive is that's what it used to be like. And then they started making up stuff and, and bouncing all over the place. And just, I just, yeah, just go back to what it was. Just talk about the driver and talk about this. Like you don't need to make up. I do think they've so. done a better job of that. I will admit that. But what I wanted to point out is there's some really entertaining content around Vegas that you may want to check out. That's all I'll say. Uh, Only because the, the drivers were as uh, unenthused as they appeared to be. Let's just okay. say that about the whole Remember, remember like Sergio Perez standing there in front of Bruce Buffer yeah. and just not knowing what the hell to do the backstory on that. And like the behind the scenes, that is entertaining. Okay. It's well, send good. me which episode that is. And then I'll I check it out. Cause I, I watched last year's two first two episodes and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. It's not real. Yeah. I think it's much improved. And as I said, definitely what I would, I would encourage you to watch the Gasly one as a Gasly fan. Cause I do think it's a good episode for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, I, well, see what you think. I think it's they've gotten better. I will give it a a a will rec do recommend, which is an improvement. Well, maybe I agree with you. Last can, season was bad. Maybe it's something I can get back into then and just kind of. Well, I'll start doing it when I'm like making food or like yeah, for sure or something and get back into it. Um, but it's tough. Sometimes it's tough when you know stuff. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's. So that's the season. We know the, the. We got a schedule. We got lots of racing. The question I have for you. The only other question I wanted to ask you about the schedule. Do we get a full schedule? Remember last year we had a race canceled. Do we make it through a full schedule? Uh yes. I. I mean, who knows anymore? But yes, we do make it through a full schedule. 
Okay, let's run really quickly through each team. Uh, talk a little bit about you know what we think, where we know, what we know. Uh, as you mentioned, driver lineup stays the same. That is not the same. Uh, the same cannot be said for the the, the team principles. Lots of new, new lots of new faces yeah. on the pit walls and a lot of new names. So I'm going to work backwards, uh, sort of from like where we assume who we assume will be at the bottom of the grid. Uh, let's start with Haas. Everybody's yeah. lovable losers and a new team boss. Kevin Magnussen, Nico, Nico Hulkenberg, still driving, but a new team boss. Uh, Gunter Steiner, your favorite, uh, is gone. Me clapping. That is me yeah. clapping for them finally making a decision when you can't fire everybody to fire the person who's in charge of hiring everybody. That's right. Ayo uh, Komatsu is the new team principal. You may remember him from earlier seasons of Drive to Survive as the guy that Gunter usually was yelling at in post-race briefings. He was formerly a technical director for the team. Uh, so he knows the car well. He's been with the team well. I find it interesting they choose to go internal with this hiring and not external. Personally, when you have a team that's struggling that bad, I think it's never a bad thing to bring a fresh set of eyes and perspective in. Look at what Williams did last season with James Vowles and how much they improved under his leadership. But we'll see, uh, I guess, what, what we get out of Haas. Uh, they remain technically the MoneyGram Haas F1 team. Uh, I do want to spend some time talking about some of these ridiculous names, but for me, that one feels slightly less yeah. egregious than some of the ones we're going to talk about. Well, it's because do they you... kept Haas. You can keep the Haas part, and then everyone right. knows you as Haas. That's the that's the important thing in every name change. Yeah, is like we live in Vancouver. Bridges, the famous restaurant on Granville Island, was yeah. bought out by Tap and Barrel Company, but they kept the name Bridges and just went with Tap and Barrel Bridges, so you know to call it Bridges, like the Sky Dome. In Toronto, they have the Skydome where the baseball team plays. They changed the name Skydome, but everyone still calls it that. Just call it the Rogers Skydome or the AT&T Skydome. Like, just do that. People will like it. People will Absolutely. like it. So Hoff nailed their name change with that. I'm um, sorry, I cut you off with a random. No, no, it's okay. And then, of course, second season is MoneyGram. I should just point that out. This is not a new name change, but it's still there. Yeah. The question I have for you is this. Does Haas improve, or are they still a bottom dweller coming into this season? Um. I think they improve in terms of competition. I don't know what the car is going to do. I don't know how much money they're putting in the car. Are they waiting for 2026 or did they spend all of their, did they, did they hold back spending money last year? I believe so that they could have a better car this year. Um, I know that their tire degradation last year was terrible and they just couldn't keep race pace throughout an entire um, circuit or Grand Prix. So it, it, it kind of comes down to that. I think Magnuson and Hulkenberg are good enough to finish a race here and there in the middle of the field, maybe a point um, every other weekend, every third weekend. Um, but I mean, it's just good to have Steiner out. And I also do like, I wish they would have went out of house to hire the new, um, um, the new Steiner, whatever they call him, forget the position name. Anyways. Team principal. For team principal, that's it. I wish they would have went out of house to hire a team principal. They went with the guy that he was, well, you're right, was always getting yelled at and blamed. So, he's got a kind of a massive Cinderella comeback story that we could be talking about in 10, 10, 15 races. Imagine they come out finishing points, three races in a row. That guy's laughing at Steiner, calling him up every night, midnight, just laughing and hanging up, just laughing and hanging up, laughing and hanging up. That's what I do. So uh, as I mentioned, Haas bottom of the table last year, they finished with 12 points. Yeah. That's not much to improve on, but let's see if they can do it. Maybe they get up to ninth. Maybe right. they get up to ninth. Not, not to be outdone by too much in ninth place last year, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Romeo as the brand is no more. We are now talking about 
one of the more complicated names here, and we'll talk about it. But we got the Stake F1 team. This is Salba. Let's let's just clear that up. Yeah. It's been Salba for a very long time. It will remain Salba as the principal brand. That's like what you were saying. The Haas part is there. The Salba, though, brand has been gone. Like, it hadn't been there at all while Alfa Romeo was the title team. Yeah. And this is, of course, the team that will become Audi uh, when the engine changes, new regulations come into play. So this almost feels like a placeholder name to begin with. That but here's what's really weird. For some races... They're going to be called the stake F1 team, but there are certain jurisdictions where gambling on sports is still not legal in Europe. And this team will at those races be called the kick Salba F1 team. So they have two different title sponsors, depending on whether or not gambling is legal. This has to be one of the dumber things uh, you've probably seen in, in sports branding. Am I wrong? A, a thousand percent. Why also why just because you are branded by a gambling company, why can't you just still be branded by them, but just not? So the issue is this. There are certain jurisdictions where sports teams cannot advertise sports gambling. So the okay. name on there is a title, like a principal sponsorship asset. And that's why the same reason, like the same way that there are very strict rules now in F1 around advertising uh, cigarette brands. Yeah. Right. But there are still other brands that are not directly like the the, the the cigarettes are the subsidiary of a other other brand for example win now uh, yeah. or mission win now or whatever it was is the company that owned marlboro let's just be yeah. honest it was still a title sponsor and anyway the point is this team uh is now going to be sometimes stake and i think there's a drake connection there too because i believe he's a part owner he's, or something of the he has of that gambling to do company. with it yeah he has and something to do with it. Kick Salba and the other ones. But the why question... not just change your livery for those races? Yeah. And just, just be like, hey, refer to us as Salber this weekend. Don't refer to us as Steak F1 Salber. <laughs> it, it'll just get messy. It I is, also it, think that the announcers are going to do that. They're going to say Salber for majority of these races anyways. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think it's going to get really, really messy. Um, this is a team that has its returning two drivers. And as I mentioned, has a returning um team principal um uh, alessandro alan brava or bravi brava brava i'm not sure he's italian um but uh, uh, both valtteri bottas and uh go guanju return they had a pretty pretty bad season last year they only got 16 points uh yeah. the question is does this team improve and if so by how much um I don't think this team improves but i also said that last year about this team and they were, i thought they'd finish last place last place last year and i was wrong so i think there's yeah, by three from... points <laughs> yeah, still wrong still right. wrong i think that um i don't know i think they finish rate nine or ten with haas um maybe maybe they go ten haas goes eight and there's a surprise team at nine um yeah. that i'm not too happy about but um I, yeah i don't know I, I they're not gonna like they're not gonna have a podium or a win maybe they get eighth or ninth place like i is anyone excited about Zhao or bottas anymore i don't think yeah. so i mean i i think that it's got one of the more striking liveries i'll give it that the neon green's kind of fun it's I, nice that we have a few less like red and white teams on the grid personally but it's not I, your color it's I like nuclear it. green it's like yes it's yeah it's like tron <laughs> there you go so interestingly, both the bottom two teams last year sporting Ferrari engines. So that'll be an interesting conversation to be had about whether or not that continues. We've got Ferrari near the top of the table, but they're uh, 
the teams that they supply engines to certainly struggling. Yeah. Uh, let's continue to climb up the table in the order we saw, and we will get to the dumbest name in the history of professional sport, in my opinion, of any team or any organization. I will try to say this as cleanly as I can one time. And then from this point forward, I will only refer to this by an acronym. This is the Visa. Visa I can't even do it once. Yeah, I can't even the do it once. Visa Cash App RB Formula One team. Formerly AlphaTauri, formerly uh, Toro Rosso. This is the junior Red Bull team that is now named after not just Visa, but a specific Visa product. I know. It's so stupid. I will be referring to this team moving forward as VCARB because that's the only acronym that is suitably dumb enough for how dumb this name is. So VCARB here uh, has the same two drivers, Yuki Tsunoda, Daniel Ricciardo, but they have a new team principal in Laurent uh, Mikes. And again, this is a team that is basically just here to service the training and development of drivers for Red Bull. And yet they have one of the older drivers on the grid driving for them after he took over last year from their failed attempt uh, to develop a new driver where Daniel Ricciardo is back and Yuki Tsunoda definitely had a better year last year. But where does this team go from here? And you, I mean, you seem to be hot on the fact that they're going to improve just because they got a better name. I don't know. No, because they got the better car now. They basically have Red Bull 19. They took the cars from last year, gave them to this V-Carb team, and now they're running with arguably one of the better cars we've seen in the last 10 years. So Ricardo, who's been in a Red Bull car before, now has a Red Bull under him again, whether that be real or not. Um, that's why that's what makes me afraid of this team a little bit. And I think that they can compete for the fifth or sixth spot um, in standings just based off the fact that now Red Bull's sharing, openly sharing their car with, uh, with another team which has gotten other teams pissed off. Pissed so off where do you different. come down on that one? How do you feel about the fact that this is not a team being supplied an engine exclusively? This is a literal little brother. I think that it's, it's frustrating because everyone complains that the other teams are kind of like getting information off them or getting or stealing things from them. Well, Red Bull, you're giving information away now. So you can say, oh, they're taking ideas, they're taking ideas, but you're giving it to another team. So you can't, kind of like complain about one thing and then do it legally with another team. Like it just doesn't, you just have to, and we know they're just going to complain about it anyways, but they're now giving away hints and products and um, tips to another team to improve them. So it's kind of horseshit. I, 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 I agree. I think it's frustrating. I think it's also just weird. I mean, the fact that it's yeah. the equivalent of like an NHL team, having its farm team, like its AHL team, also in the league, trying to compete against the same teams to affect the points in the standings. Like that's yeah. what this ends up being. Um, and it's just sort of a really dumb thing that just doesn't happen anywhere else. It's just and essentially they're have... taking up a spot on the grid that could I be know. filled by a really great, you know, independent team like uh, Mario is trying to get. Yeah, 100%. It could be a Cadillac car instead of a VCARB car. Yeah. So uh, as mentioned, obviously... Yuki Sonoda had a, let's call it a slightly better year. He's had a good finish to the year. Um, he was in the points three of the last five races. Uh, he had 17 points on the season. And Daniel Ricciardo was injured for a significant period, only scored points in one of the races he was in. However, Liam Lawson definitely impressed in that car. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, go. Question let's jump. Say. Let's jump to the next team here. We got the Williams coming up here in the order. So Williams, again, a team that very slowly but consistently made some improvements through last year. They climb out of the basement and into the midfield by the end of the year, 28 points, only a couple ahead of our RB or V carb, or I guess they were alpha. Oh no, they were uh, alpha Tory back then. We can still call them that, but they, they saw some improvement again. They had, they scored points um, pretty consistently near the end of the season, missed out of the last couple of races, but they were better um, again, some, some new and exciting um, you know, I don't know, improvement out of a guy like Alex Albon, who's been around for a while, but has really not had a lot of sustained success. And I mean, you're already putting him in a Red Bull next year. So he, he needs to have a really good year. If that's going <laughs> to come true. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I simply stated, if he has a great year this year, which he is under contract again with Williams for next year. So he has a spot coming back. So he's kind of got nothing to lose. Um, If he has a great year, he's got, two teams at the top of the the top of these standings that are looking at him. And he's in a weird spot where he is in both teams training programs. Essentially he's driving for Williams, which is associated with Mercedes, but he still wears a Red Bull helmet. Like because he used to drive Red Bull. So he's kind of put himself in a very good spot um, in terms of being able to get one of these open seats at the end of the year. It's going to be very cool to see what Albon does this year. Very I agree. Cool. And as I said, he, he certainly had an improved year last year. He finished with uh, 27 points overall, his teammates struggling, but he was a rookie Logan Sargent only managing one point. I would, I would expect that Williams will also as a team have taken steps forward. This is the full off season. The first time we're really going to see a James Vowles car as he took over last year and inherited the car that was already under development when he took that job. But James Vowles is a very, I will also say this again, going back to it. If you're, a James Files fan or interested in how that whole thing, they do have a great episode on that too this season. Just so saying. you liked the season. Just say I you enjoyed the season. the season so far. I'm telling you, I think it is a much improved product over last year. It felt like they didn't feel like they needed to do as much fabricating of storylines. They just went back to the like personal the team. human yeah. interest, which was where it is. There's not a lot of like, yeah, I, uh, uh, at least so far, as I say, haven't gone all the way through the, 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 the Lewis Hamilton episode where they're talking about his contract with Mercedes is very leading because they clearly were editing it when this news broke and that right. wasn't part of the storyline. So now it's this sort of awkward thing. And actually there's a few moments early on where Christian Horner says some things that given recent events, <laughs> don't make him look great in the edit. Let's uh, just put no. it that way. But again, you know, it's the lens through which we're seeing it. Yeah. Okay, let's jump forward. Uh, we got a lot still to cover, so let's keep moving. Um, as I said, Williams, we expect we'll have a, an improved season, uh, but still kind of be in that midfield. Uh, yeah. Ahead of them in the standings, and this is where the jump to like what we call the midfield really took off, right? Yeah. So 28 points for Williams, that's the b- basement. That's sort of the, they're the, on the top step, but they're still in the basement. On the main floor, we had... Alpine with 120. So hundred points, almost uh, 93 points better than Williams last season. So a very big jump. Um, and Alpine again, having returning drivers, um, they That's will have it, a though. full season. Well, no, but Bruno uh, Famine, who took over as team principal when Ottmeyer was fired mid weekend last year, uh, will now again have had a full off season with this team. The question is, does this team continue to kind of, I don't know, struggle to find sustained success or have they put it together? And are we looking at, you know, the Alpine that used to be Renault competing for like fourth? 
Well, they don't look great with the this past couple of weeks. I'm very afraid of Alpine. Also, yes, they're bringing back their um, principal, but I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but over the past six days, a bunch of people have quit. Yeah, it's a bunch not of looking have seen pretty over there. What the car looks like, and have been like, we're uh, we're gonna go, we're gonna get the hell out of here as quickly as possible because this is about to be a disaster year for them. Yeah. Um, and then not only that, but like, so Gasly can come back if he wants to come back next year. He's got a driver option. Esteban Ocon does not, and he very much is probably probably already just knocking on the door every morning to Toto, just being like, hey, how's it going? Just let you know I'm still. You know, I'm available to take that extra seat. If you need somebody, I, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Um, so like, there's a lot of problems at Alpine. I I have a massive feeling, not a good one, that it's going to be either surprising and and what we've heard from the last couple of weeks is that like um, preseason like lies and fabrication and all that stuff we we hear about or talk about, or they're going to be really bad this year. And it that's tough as a Gasly fan because. I mean, he's bounced around already so much in the last three years um, that uh, yeah, he's got to do well to get a seat somewhere else. I mean, there's lots of seats open next year, but it's if he wants to, if he wants one of those good seats, he's going to have to have a good year in a very bad car. So the one, the one note I will add uh, about this team is they are this, they are still the one holdout on the grid that is not currently operating um, with a Ferrari or a Mercedes engine. Uh, yeah. Or an RB, you know, Honda Frankenstein Brandy. power unit. Yeah. They are still with a Renault engine. There's probably a reason that nobody else has a Renault engine in their vehicle. I'm going to just say it and leave it there. There's definitely a reason no one else has a Renault engine in their vehicle. Wait until they see the way this car drives this year. I'm very afraid because also Gasly overperformed last year. And now it's like, he does so well, he's doing so well, he's doing so well. As a Gasly fan, now it's like, I don't know. I'm very afraid of what the year is going to look like for... It's basically me, Gasly, and Ocon are the only people coming back for Alpine. Yeah. All right, let's jump uh, one spot up from, again, last year's standings. Um, and again, this was a big jump. <laughs> so yeah. add another 100-plus points uh, to, the, to the point standing and Aston Martin, who had a phenomenal start a very difficult mid-season and then a pretty decent end to the year um, last season. One of the most interesting teams, I would say, throughout last season, but a team that now is kind of back in the midfield and not quite sure where they're going to be. And again, as you say, there's a lot of question marks around the future of the team, the drivers, all of those things. Uh, team principal, Mike Crank. You've got drivers, Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll. I will give them both credit. They have two of the most ridiculous haircuts uh for their team for their for their headshots going into the season go to f1.com to check those out it uh, looked like they clearly didn't hire hair and makeup before the uh, team photo shoot um but again this is a team that kind of was Jacqueline Hyde all of last season you know got points in almost every race I think they only missed out on points as a team twice uh I believe Turkey and Mexico were the only two they didn't they they managed two points in um uh, I think it was Monza. Um, but for the most part, there was a, a pretty, you know, a, a much improved year. Let's just put it that way. Where do you see uh, Aston Martin this year? Can they get themselves back into the conversation that they had been in last year early around being number two, being number three, or are they destined to be the best of the rest? They only go as far as Lance Stroll goes. 
we know that um, Alonzo is going to try to win races and he has the ability to do so. What does Lance Stroll do? Because you can only have one guy get you to fifth or sixth. You need both of them to be consistently in points to get that third or fourth spot. So it's very much is going to be Aston Martin's either going to be very happy halfway through the season because Stroll is holding up his end of the bargain or Stroll's kind of not doing that as he's always has never done that. And then you get the constant rumors probably starting week three where Alonzo Mercedes, Alonzo Mercedes, Alonzo Mercedes. So one little note for Fernando Alonso that I think is really interesting. The Bahrain Grand Prix, we just, we just posted this on our socials too, but the Bahrain Grand Prix turns 20 this year. Only one driver on the grid was there 20 years ago, of course, Fernando Alonso, 20, 2004. So uh, he's the only one who can actually celebrate that, that anniversary. There's very little in this sport Fernando Alonso has not seen. And I think that, uh, as you say, if he can somehow convince Toto Wolf to let him be the veteran to replace Lewis Hamilton and that keep Mercedes from grabbing a new young driver or something instead. Uh, that would be a stroke of luck for him as he may finally have an opportunity to, to climb back up into the top echelon there. And as you say, wouldn't that be a tasty um, start to next season when you've got, you know, Lewis and a Ferrari Alonzo three, three, three world champs in the three top cars would be pretty cool. Yeah. And he, Fernando finished 17th in that race. Of course, there's another way that a third world champion could be in one of the top cars because there's also a rumor Sebastian Vettel is talking to Toto Wolf. All right. I'm just going to drop that one and move on. <laughs> um, let's jump to McLaren. We've got four more teams here to talk about. Uh, McLaren, 302 points last season, um, largely because um, after a dreadful start to the year, uh, they found some unbelievable performance out of some upgrades. Um, they did not score points in their first two races. They only scored points in the next six. They only scored points three times. And then from that point on, they were scoring mega points. Um, yeah. Podiums for Norris, podiums for Piastri. And that is the biggest piece. I would argue McLaren had the most consistent one-two punch on the grid last season, uh, team to team other than maybe Ferrari, but even Ferrari never quite felt like that. But when you look at the, how well Norris and, and, um, and Piastri drove in the same, you know, vehicle, especially considering we were talking about Oscar Piastri as a rookie, pretty phenomenal. Uh, Norris obviously got a lot more points than Piastri did, but Piastri won a sprint. He was, you know, pushing for those opportunities. Definitely the best rookie we've seen in a few years. And I think he's going to take a huge step forward. I've given yeah. you what I think about McLaren, but where do you come down on McLaren this season? I think McLaren is the biggest. I know that like Red Bull, we probably all have finishing first. Ferrari and Mercedes want to compete with Red Bull. I think they should be more worried about competing on the bottom end with with McLaren. Sorry. I think that they, they should all, yes, they want to be looking forward at who's ahead of them, but you have to be very careful about this McLaren car that's behind them because I do think that Norris and Piastri are the most exciting one-two punch right now and will be the most consistent one-two punch. And so McLaren, if you're a McLaren fan, like Braden's got to be so happy right now. Absolutely. What, it, what, the, what this is going to look like at the beginning of the year, the potential of McLaren. Yeah, I agree. I think that they have a, and again, considering how bad the start was last year, if you think mm -hmm. about it, if they had, if they had found the performance they found from Silverstone on last year, if they had found that earlier, they would have been competing with Mercedes for number two. Absolutely. 
Okay, uh, that takes us to our top three. Let's start with the boys in red. We've got Ferrari. Again, a disappointing, I would argue, a disappointing finish for them considering how um, promising and how sort of optimistic the last two years have been for Ferrari. The first year last year for uh, Fred Vassier as the new team principal taking over from Bonato, who we endlessly ridiculed the previous season. You have to give that, you know, that title of first season for a team principal again a little grain of salt because it's not his car right he didn't really oversee the development that happens through the previous season he took over with inherited what was there made the best of it what he could they finished with 406 points missing out on second place to mercedes by only three points um the the driver standings are a little less favorable to them they dropped to fifth and seventh uh respectively leclerc and signs is this the year Ferrari finally takes the fight to Red Bull? Can they stay up there? Or does a team like McLaren or Mercedes really come out of the gates hot and push Ferrari back down the table consistently? The, the, no. I mean, like, no, they won't. They probably, like, they no. Because they can't give Carlos Sainz all of the information at the second half of this season. They, it's the same thing. He's leaving. They don't know where he's going. So they're going to keep him out of meetings. They're going to keep him out of decisions that are being made. They're going to try to promote Charles Leclerc for every single decision that they make on the track in terms of who's going out first and who's doing where they want to be. It's always going to be Leclerc starting from race one. And how much is science going to push back on that? We've seen him push back on it before. He's got nothing to lose by telling, for lack of better words, Ferrari to go fuck themselves and try to win every single race. He does not care about Charles Leclerc. We will see that more this year than we have in the last couple of years. And we saw it the last couple of years. So Carlos Sainz is racing for a job. Don't get me wrong. He's going to want to win every single race until the end of this year, but he's going to do it on his terms. And that is something that's going to hold Ferrari back altogether. Well, I think the same, you could probably just take everything you just said. I can cut it out there and I'm going to put it back in for the next team. Cause does the same things not apply to Mercedes? The only difference is Hamilton knows he has a seat. So I think he'd be more willing to be like, yeah, yeah, this is Russell's car now. Let Russell get the decisions. Let Russell be 1A. I still am going to try to win, but but he knows he has a seat next year. He, he knows who he is. He knows that Ferrari is the future. So he could easily just be like, I'm trying to win every race up until two-thirds into the season and then be like, I get why you guys have Russell going ahead. So let's just – I'm out of the meetings. I'm out of the new car. You guys do what you need to do, and I'll just sit here trying to win a race. If I'm in a position to do so with 10 laps to go, try to help me win. If I'm not, then let's put everything forward to Russell. I can see him being a little bit more um, um, a teammate friendly, I guess, because he has a spot next year. Okay, so let me present a slightly different narrative. Again, somewhat optimistically or hopeful as a fan of this team, as a fan of these two drivers. Is it possible that strictly from an ego perspective that Toto Wolf wants to prove that Lewis making this decision was wrong and that he and Mercedes are the right team for Lewis to compete for a championship. And if Lewis has a good start, that they fully back him in trying to get that eighth title in their car strictly for the purposes of the record book. This is Toto and Lewis, who I would argue are probably the two closest team principal drivers, maybe in the history of the sport. They have been together at Mercedes from day one. They built this program together. They succeeded together. I think that Toto would admit today that if he could have a do-over, he would have helped Lewis 
beat his teammate in the one championship that Lewis didn't win um, when Nico Rosberg took it. I think that retro retroactively, he'd like to have made sure that he got the title, the record with Lewis. And obviously we know you probably should have it to begin with. We don't have to go into that. How many yep. minutes into this podcast did it take before I brought up uh... three? Okay. But I think there is a chance depending on how this car performs early. If they have built a good car, and it feels like Lewis is driving well, that the plans at Mercedes could shift and they will push. I agree with you though, three quarters of the way through the season, that gets tougher. If it isn't him in, you know, in a dog fight for one or in the lead, you know, God willing. Yeah. But I'm just saying there is a reality here where Mercedes has a chance to still make history and send Lewis off saying, why are you going over there anyway? We did it for you. It's over. The storybook yeah. is finished, you know? And then Lewis can I mean, retire and never drive for Ferrari and the whole world comes crashing down. I mean, I could see something along the lines of that happening. I know Lewis has always dreamed of driving for Ferrari, so he's going to yeah, do he'll it. he'll go drive there I mean, anyway. Yeah, if you're Toto and you can get it with Hamilton, why not? Like, why not just go for it? Be like, whatever, take whatever secrets you want. You were right now. We're 10, 10 races into the season. You've won seven of them. Let's go out and get this thing. I can see that being real for sure. Well, and, and the other thing is like, we're not that far off from these regulation changes with engines that are coming. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing is that like 20, so like next season will be the last season with the current en engine power units. 2026 is when the new ones come in. The truth is that like all these cars are going to get serious re retoolings when that new yeah. power unit situation comes into play. And the truth is for like Lewis, I would almost make the argument. He's not even gambling on next season being the year for Ferrari to figure it out. Cause it's probably going to take him a year to get that car to what he wants that car to be with that team. And the truth is that like, he's looking all the way to those new power units and maybe that's why he made the move. Maybe he knows something we don't about how, Mercedes is developing their 26 power unit and he's concerned already, which would be really dangerous, but you know what I mean? It's like, there are some variables at play and that's, I guess what we, yeah. what we don't know what we do. Yeah. Know. Well, yeah, it, that's what's going to be exciting about this year. All right. Let's finish off with the team at the top Red Bull, obviously dominant last season, uh, winning all but one race as we've talked about um, Max winning most of them uh, Max with one of the most, actually the most dominant um season for for any driver in history 575 points total um red bull do we think there's a chance red bull has flown too close to the sun here we are looking at a car design that is to be fair quite quite different than last season there's a lot of things they're tinkering with and playing with and i'm curious to know whether or not you know you think that they've they've done another sort of mad science experiment and made this car better or are they uh, playing with fire? Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this, that they win constructors again and that Max wins a driver's championship again, only because the first day of testing, you saw Max put in a wicked lap and then they panned over to the garage and you see his uh, driving engineer, I forget his name. Um, JPA Lambiasi. Yeah, just laughing. And then they didn't, they haven't improved since then. They had literally the perfect car that they wanted for this year figured out in day one. Anybody notice that this car looked a lot like those missing side pods of the Mercedes from two years ago? I did not look at that actually. 
But I mean, and it's just I, not only that, but it's also got those weird haunches the Mercedes had. In fact, there is a very popular meme going around right now. I don't know. I'm just telling you. But there's such, there's a meme going around right now uh, where they've got um, a photograph of Adrian Newey, who is obviously the the mad scientist behind Red Bull and the engineer and designer of this car. There's a photo of him from a couple of years ago looking at that Mercedes car and everyone sort of captioned it being like, I think I can fix you. And if they do that, that would be a hell of a hell of a thing. He's literally like, I think that, you know, these guys were onto something. They just couldn't figure it out. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. The biggest storyline for me, and you kind of touched on it earlier, is, is Sergio Perez, right? Underperformed considering he was given the best vehicle he probably would have ever driven in his life. We saw that because Max put that thing, you know, through its paces and and dominated in ways nobody's dominated and Perez sometimes was nowhere to be found you know there yeah. are th- that that is going to be the biggest question can Sergio Perez protect his future at Red Bull by having the best ca- career year or you know is as you say this is swan song there anyway because he's just keeping the seat warm for somebody else yeah that'll be so the Red we'll Bull see. season we shall see all right that gets us through the uh the 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 preview portion of 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 the teams and all of that let's jump really quickly here tyler we got two more things to talk about um we got a mailbox box box question it's time for mail and it's i'm asking the question and it's a very simple question you've already answered it but who do you have winning this season Uh, both constructors and drivers Uh, red bull and max okay it's like not even a fun question there's no debate on it so far no debate on it so far. So I probably would agree with you. Um, but just for the fun of it, just for the fun of it, I'm going to say that the team that wins the constructors doesn't win the driver's championship. I'm not going to say who I think it is, but I just think that there's a chance one of those teams falls apart. Okay. I, I mean, I don't, I, it had to be Ferrari and Mercedes and that there's internal problems there. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not happening. I just want, I just want something. I just want something. <laughs> All right, let's really quickly run through our preseason award predictions. These are, of course, the awards we hand out at the end of the year. And the only reason we do these as predictions in the preseason is so that later in the year, we can look back at how foolish we were uh, in February, February 28th. Yep. We're making these predictions. Here's the best one. First one up is best rookie. Well, here's the question I have for you. Is it possible we still have a rookie take somebody else's seat because right now there's no rookies, but is it possible? And, and also does Liam Lawson count as a rookie? I, was I guess he would. That. I think he I does. Say, I say Liam Lawson gets at least one race in here and we'll give him best rookie. All right. All right. Who's your best driver of the year? And remember we've argued about what best driver means, but yeah. Um, I mean, you, you gotta give it to max now because we know he's going to win all the races. Okay. I'm at the end give... of the year, it's going to be different because we're going to be like, this guy actually outperformed his car. And that's what I think. That's why I'm going to make this guess. I think it's Lando Norris. I think Lando okay. Norris has the best opportunity like with the car he has to take a big step forward. Worst driver, who you got? Uh, worst driver, I will put uh, Logan Sargent in there. Okay. Just because I do think that his car should be right where Albon puts it each time. And Sargent was a little hyped up as well. So he's got a, he has He is literally competing with Albon every single race. All right. I will take... Oh, it, it kind of hurts me to do this, but I, I think the worst driver might be Valtteri Bottas. I think this might be the end of the road. I don't think he's got much left. I can't see him wanting to compete that much anymore either. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's Maybe sad. that, I mean, there's a Mercedes seat open. Not for him. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Most improved driver. So again, we don't have a rookie, but we had a, we had two rookies or we had one rookie, two rookies last year. One of them didn't survive. Um, we had some rookies uh, last season. We've also obviously got some newer drivers, but this could be a veteran. This could be a guy who takes a big step forward. This could be Sergio Perez. Who you got? Who's most improved? Oscar Piastri. Most improved? Most improved. I think he's he was pretty good. Yeah, but he's he wasn't like consistently podium. Oh, good. that ceiling's got to get up there. End of season, he was on the podium and won a sprint race. Um, the, but I, he, I expect him to to compete with Norris, who's a top five driver already in All just right. his second year. All right, uh, I will I will note that our our most improved um, driver last year was Lando Norris. So I've got him already going all the way to best driver. That's a hell of a two-year jump. <laughs> hey, I think improved. the most improved driver this year is going to be Yuki Sonoda. Because as oh. if you're if what you're telling me is true, yeah. and he's now driving the RB18 or 19 or whatever the hell it was. 19, RB19. Then I think he has a potential, if he can just be consistent, to really take a big step forward. We have yet to see what Red Bull clearly sees in Yuki. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they love this guy. Yeah. And they believe he's got something special. I'd like him to show us what it is. Right now, it's just temper tantrums. Yeah, well, he's not the only one on the grid who suffers from temper tantrums. Eh, You got one of them driving next to your favorite (laughs) driver over there. Esteban Ocon's known for a few temper tantrums. Oh, yeah. Most improved driver, then we have most improved team. So who's the most improved team? I gave it to the McLaren as well. I think both of those guys driving as top five drivers, I think they have the potential to put McLaren in that three spot in the constructors. Yeah, I think I would probably, I was going to go the same way, but I think it's Williams. I think Williams is going to surprise us. I really do. I think that they might have a portion of the early part of the season where, I mean, I mean, I just, I, I, I would put a lot of stock in what James Fowles is capable of over there. I think he's going to, he was one of the pieces that made Mercedes so successful for 10 years. And I think he's learned under a very good leader. And I think he has a chance to, and yes, it's a Homer pick because it's, there's a Mercedes connection, but I do think Williams showed us last year. They're capable of taking steps forward and I um, pick him. All right. Most yeah. disappointing driver. I think Perez again, I think it's Perez <sighs> because he still has the car. Like, I know if you're going compared to what he did last year, then it can't be him because he was very disappointing. Well, he was our um, most disappointing driver last year. That's the, he yeah. gave him the award. He's in the same car. Back to he's back. Gonna be disappointing. He's going to be disappointing again. Or you got to give it to, um, it, it could be, it could be Ricardo in that car because he has more experience than Sunata. Um, and if he can't outpace Sunata for most of the year, then Ricciardo could be most disappointing. All right. Um, most disappointing driver for me. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like it's got to be like Kevin Magnuson or something. Like somebody who's just gonna fall apart. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because you. I mean, to be fair, like to be disappointing, I think you have to have high expectations, and you have to kind of that's have exactly from that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's like Charles Leclerc. You know what I mean? Man, that would be a hell of a story going from being kept on a team, signs kills it, and Leclerc doesn't. That'd be very disappointing for Ferrari fans. That would like be it. that would be uh, an interesting one because then you'd have all that drama surrounding, you know, sur- surrounding you know whether or not they made the right choice. That'd be good. Okay, like see, I'm just I'm just here for the drama. Uh, most disappointing team. Uh, most disappointing team. I hate to say this, but I'm very afraid of Alpine. I think they might be the most disappointing team, especially from 
the beginning of last year, we kind of thought that they would be at the top of the midfield and then they finished six. I thought maybe four or five based off the year they had prior to that. Um, so looking at the car now and everybody leaving, like the building's on fire. Uh, I'm very concerned about Alpine. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, I probably would, would, would side with you on that one again. I don't really know who else can really disappoint us much more than that. So they've got yeah. a long way to fall considering they, they're, they used to, I mean, they're already kind of, they've been falling. They used to be much better. Uh, all right. Then we move on to the, the best race. What do you have? What are you looking most I, forward to? Let's put it that way. I'm looking most forward to the race that got canceled last year. The, um, the Grand Prix and Emilia Romagna, uh, Italian Grand Prix yeah. um, got canceled early last year. I'm most looking forward to that. Yeah, I agree. I think that one that one will be good. But for me, I'm most looking forward to, um, you know, actually, I think I'm most looking forward to Silverstone again this year. And I think this is why I think it's going to be the best race, because if Lando Norris and McLaren are doing well, which I have already said, I believe is the case, then mm -hmm. that puts a, a, a British team in a position to be successful at home with a British driver competing and being successful. I think that there's a lot of pressure on Lewis to perform well with Mercedes the last time around the track for a, again, Mercedes may be a German brand, but remember this team is based in Brackley. Like this is still yeah. a very British racing team. The, the factories are, are there all of that kind of thing. It's a home race. And I think it's going to be a special and emotional one for him before he moves to the Italian team. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. Um, so I'm going to go with Silverstone. Okay. 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 Most disappointing race. <laughs> Monaco, fix it. Fix it. They have to fix it. Fair enough. Uh, last year, our, our, oh, pardon me, worst race. I shouldn't say most disappointing. It will be disappointing, but worst it, race. It's um, both. It's both. It's yeah. all the hype and, and never leads up to it. We went with Hungary last year, which I think is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of worried a little bit about like how bad Miami could be for the third straight year. I think Miami might right. still be the worst circuit on the, on the, entire like calendar mm -hmm. and i just feel like yeah. now that it's in its third year it feels like kind of the varnish has all come off yeah yeah not that uh, there was much varnish on it to begin with it was just a lot of fake lakes and anyway <laughs> well, well, yeah, it was yeah it was cheap cheap knockoff okay uh this is a new category we added last year who do you who do you have for best broadcaster um i'm trying to remember the name of uh the the woman that they jump to every once in a while, who used to be Bernie Collins. Uh, yes, her. Who we gave the award to last year. She's yeah. going back to back. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to go off the board just a little bit um, because this is an interesting one. I also, I mean, for me, I will buy Bernie Collins stock all day long. Yeah. And I would also, here's what I'm, this is the last time I'm going to bring up Netflix. You got to, you do have to watch Netflix from simply the perspective that there's a jump scare in one of these interviews. Someone shows up in this thing and like, you go, why the hell is this person the one they chose to sit down to talk to? It's, yeah. it's shocking, considering the fact that that seat should have been Bernie Collins. Like, that is who I want to hear from. If you're trying to give me the female perspective of like an educated Formula One analyst, I want Bernie Collins all day, nobody else, period. Yeah. She'll be great this year. I can't wait. If you've watched for if you've watched Drive to Survive out there, listeners, you know exactly the jump scare I'm talking about because it was like, oh my God, I cannot believe she's here. Now you're thinking about who it might be, but that's for when you watch the show. No spoilers. 
<laughs> I'm excited. And I think the best broadcaster might be Harry Benjamin. You ever heard of Harry Benjamin? No, no, you haven't. Cause he's going to get his first opportunity to take the mic for sky sports one, because David Crofty is missing three races this year. It's already scheduled. And his replacement is Harry. Uh, I don't even know the guy's name, Harry Benjamin. Um, so I'm just excited to see what a new voice has for us and what it's going to sound like. Cause Crofty is so iconic, obviously, but this guy apparently is very successful. Um, he's been on CNN. He's been on BBC. He's got a good broadcasting background. He knows what he's talking about. He's hosted um, like radio broadcasts of this stuff. I'm just yeah. excited to see what it sounds like. And, and he's, it'll be that uh, Amelia Romagna race. This is That's right. One. Exactly. Yeah. That'll be one of them. Okay. Last one for us here. Who this year? Oh, there's two. Well, the biggest off track story is kind of hard to predict because the whole point of it is it's something that's going to surprise us. No, the biggest off track story is going to be a silly season. Okay, fine. For sure. All right. Check mark there. The people's champ. Who's the man of the year for us? Um, if Alonzo signs with Mercedes, then boom, he is. That's all. That's very much what that's I'm a hoping good one. for. Yeah. That's very uh, much what I'm hoping. Yeah, that'd be good. I think the only other one who comes in and steals something is like if if some driver we'd never expected, a, you know, surges. You know yeah. the guy we have not given any love to, and again, I, it's the Mercedes part. But like George Russell's the untalked about person here. He's just a he just became the number one guy at Mercedes. That's a lot well, of pressure, and it, it won't be it, There's a lot of year. expectation. It won't be talked about this year. Well, he will be if he starts beating Lewis and actually competes with Max. And it's like, oh my God, they made the right yeah. call. They let him go. He has to let him go. He has I'm to be able to compete with Max, or else it's just going to be the farewell from Mercedes tour for Lewis Hamilton, unfortunately, for Russell. Next year, he can be the yeah. man of the year. All right, that's it. That's our whole season preview. Really quickly, as we mentioned, by the time people started listening to this podcast, it's already like halfway through their day because it's a bloody long podcast. We're probably already midway through on track practices for Bahrain. Do you want to give us your first preview of the year, Tyler? What should people look forward to in this first race here at Bahrain? Back to Bahrain to start our year again. There's 57 laps in the Bahrain circuit hold on to get that dog all jumped up here uh 57 laps in bahrain two drs detection zones uh the drs is on the straight from the starting finish line and the drs between turns three and four uh turn one and two lead to great overtaking opportunities in this race which are very excitingly followed by those turn three and four where you can take that spot back especially because of where the drs is here wind plays a big factor in this race as well which is going to help yuki sonoda so you don't have to cross that line every single time um they're hopefully they've figured that out on the car. Uh, finding a decent setup is tough because of the temperature changes that they're going to be dealing with from tomorrow on. Um, hardest turn is 10's left-hander, but becomes a, a fast run through 12. A lot of overtakes happening in uh, the first few turns of this race. That is what you have to look forward to. Um, I hope everybody is equally as excited as I know you and I are. Okay, just a viewing note, and I should We're point this out. out. We have we have three, I think it's three, maybe four Saturday races this season because the calendar has been shifted funny. This is one of them. So make sure if you're setting your PVR there, Canadians, who don't often watch these races on time, uh, that the actual race goes a Saturday. Um, I believe the first three races of the season, because they're all in different time zones, are actually Saturday starts. So check the calendars. It's a little bit different than last year. Uh, last year, we only had Vegas starting on a Saturday, but this one's got yeah. a Saturday start for those of us in the Western Hemisphere. All right, Tyler, that was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, indulging in all of the speculating and uh, anticipating. But look, they're going to be on track. They're probably already on track. Formula One's back, and we'll be back. Uh, following this race to give you a recap and set you up for the next one. We will do that all season long. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend. 
We have so much fun each week putting this together. We appreciate your listening uh, and your support. If you want to learn more, uh, hit us up uh, on social media. You can also find out more on our website, ordinarypodcasts.com. And if you want to submit questions to our mailbox box box segment, you can do that by direct messaging us on Instagram or by sending an email to pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com. On behalf of Tyler and myself, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.